One Dental Clinic, sponsors of Women Today, offer convenient appointment times in the heart of Douglas, so you can fit your dental care into your working day. Two island artists are on a mission to get Manxies fired up about baking clay as they time approaches once more for the annual Great Manx Build-Up and Throwdown Workshops. Uh, Faye Christian and Anna Klukas are with us. Lovely to have you both here this afternoon. So yeah. th- we're talking about the, the event. Just tell us a little bit about this, because we had the first one last year. What exactly happens yeah we had two last year i thought we just got a little bit too big last year <laughs> um but uh yeah for the amount of effort that goes into it i think we'll stick to an annual one um but yeah the two last year went they were brilliant um the first one we had um it was a three-day event so um we had 14 15 in was it i think yeah. it was and then um we it was just so nice because they could all just come in relax and just have a clay fest for three days and this is people who've not got no previous experience sometimes before some had experience but yeah some really didn't have any at all but you know like may may fay is a master at this um this throwing you know i mean i'd honestly say that it can take years and years and years to learn how to throw um and fay probably had them thrown I don't know some of them picked it up incredibly quickly like surprisingly quickly we were very lucky we had a chap who'd been on the great British pottery throwdown um on BBC two come over to um sort of help us with the workshop or to sort of come along to the workshop and he threw a very technical piece that had been one of the challenges that they'd done on the TV show. And it was a doubled-walled vessel. So you were lifting two separate walls and then joining them on the top. And he did this for us as a demonstration. And one of our absolute beginners, first-timers, went, yeah, I can do that. And he sat there and he did. And he should not have been able to. <laughs> but he picked it up so quickly, didn't he? I know. Most people, like myself, have to work at it for a long time to get it. And that program, I think, it's things like that. When we mentioned Great British Bake Off, it's the same producers, isn't it, yeah, that I think yeah. made, made the throwdown. And it must have made such a difference to ceramics and the, the, the nature for getting involved in pottery because these things sort of spark trends, don't yeah. they? Yeah, I had a lot of inquiries when that started and um, did a lot of lessons off the back of that. I think it has opened people's eyes to something that was kind of forgotten. Because I think as well, one of the reasons why maybe these things are becoming more popular, and it's something I, I think you have both mentioned in the past, is that there's that element of sort of mindfulness and almost like a meditation and the creative arts uh, have become quite important in that element of our lives, haven't it? Haven't they? Yeah, it's so therapeutic. Um, I think, you know, I, personally, I think clay and working with clay is a lot more therapeutic than even painting as well, because I don't know whether um, doing some classes there's I've had uh, people come in and, you know, they've wanted to produce Rembrandts, you know, in their first painting class. But I think with a ball of clay, they kind of just, they have no idea. And your mind just goes off into a different place. So you're busy working, even though you could be tired, but you're you, you're working. It's, it's just such a lovely, it, it's the feel of the clay. It's the building. It's, I don't know, it's just like Play-Doh. Maybe it's taken <laughs> back to the play, Play-Doh days. It could do. Station. 
Mercy Ships is a faith-based international development organisation that deploys hospital ships to some of the poorest countries in the world and it delivers vital free healthcare to people who are in desperate need. And this charity is supported by the international insurance provider Thomas Miller, which has an office here in the Isle of Man. And today we're going to find out what local employees are doing to help raise money. But first, we are joined by Lee Milligan, who is the CEO of Mercy Ships, who's literally just flown into the Isle of Man for this interview today. I feel quite importantly. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you, you two are the important ones for definite. This is my first trip to Isle of Man and I'm very excited to, to finally have visited. Fantastic. Um, how has your trip been so far? You've only been here since about 10 o'clock. I think you've had an impromptu tour, have you? Yeah, the flight was completely uneventful, which is what you want from a from a good flight. Uh, and then, yeah, an accidental tour of the island because uh, my partner in crime here managed to take a wrong turn. But it was all very beautiful. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Yeah, Neil Birchinoff, who lives over here. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about that, Neil. We'll talk about that more later. Um, but first of all, Lee, give us an idea of um, what exactly Mercy Ships does and, and, and how it was how it first came about. Yeah, so Mercy Ships has been around for about 40 years now. It actually started uh, by a couple called Don and Dayon Stevens, uh, who had this uh, crazy idea of what if we could fit out a ship with a hospital in it and take it to West Africa. Um, and they went on a long journey, which involved them meeting Mother Teresa, uh, them dealing with the challenge they had of having a son with disability and trying to work out what healthcare would look like. Uh, and ultimately, 40 years on, we now run the, the world's largest charity hospital ship that's crewed by over 1,200 volunteers from all over the world carrying out life-saving and life-changing operations, but also training local medics in-country to continue the work after we've gone. What an amazing thing to do. And I was, I was looking at the um, the website and some of the, the videos that promote Mercy Ships, and it's not just about the physical healing, is it? There's that emotional and spiritual healing as well that goes alongside this. Yeah, there's a whole range of conditions that happen in West Africa that um, that we won't even have heard of here. And so uh, you can have people growing up with tumours that, that grow on their neck that will eventually suffocate and kill them, which in this country we would have removed by a dentist before it gets any further than that. Uh, you have women who suffer from obstetric fistulas, which is an obstructed childbirth, which leaves them incontinent, uh, which lasts for the rest of their life, which means they're ostracised from society. And so been able to provide very simple medical procedures that are that are not expensive have a huge physical transformation but then a an emotional reconnection with your own community well i'm delighted that we are joined by neil birchinoff and ian young from thomas miller here in the isle of man and uh, neil mm-hmm. i'd come to you first of all because you are doing uh, a fundraising <coughs> challenge i think it's in july isn't it you are cycling the 300 miles from london to paris what I love about this is um, you're not really that into road cycling anyway, are you? Not at all. Uh, never cycled before on a road bike. Right. Um, so how did this come about then? Again, it's just trying to raise money for Mercy Ships. So uh, Thomas Miller have pledged £150,000 over a three-year period and challenged the staff to raise that same amount. Um, we have about 850 employees worldwide, 60 of which are on the island. So we're trying to do our bit to raise as much money as we can. Um, so we've got 11 people in total uh, taking part in this ride, four of which um, are from the, uh, from, the uh, excuse me, from the Isle of Man office. Um, so we're, we're looking to raise around £1,250 each. Um, and, you know, small donations from anyone will help uh, reach that goal. The Nation Station, Manx Radio. 
Well, fast am I, and a very, very good afternoon to you. We are out and about again today, Christy. We are. We are at the Manx Workshop for the Disabled, which is sort of on the old noble side. I didn't realise it was here, but it is a vast space. There is so much going on here in lots of different rooms, in several different buildings. Very exciting place to be. It really is. We're going to find out all about what happens here and about some of the people uh, who work here as well throughout the afternoon. There's going to be some wonderful photographs and video which you can find on the Manx Radio Facebook page and then the Manx Radio portal as well. Should we take a look inside then? Let's, Let's go, go in. inside. So as we come in here, I'm just going to describe it because it's beautiful, but if you go to our Facebook, there will be Facebook Live going on because Ben, hello Ben, uh, has got the camera going here. As we come in, there's already examples of the beautiful work. I can't even explain how, how beautifully professionally presented this is when you come in. There is uh, engraved uh, wood, there is beautifully engraved metal as well. There's the sort of, I, I don't know what this is made out of, but it's very pretty laser cutting. There's coasters, there's glass, there's trophies. They make all sorts of things here. They really do. And actually it's something that anyone can get in touch. Mm -hmm. And if it's within reason and there's a fair amount of chance that uh, it can be made, they will have a go at it. So I think we should take a look in Inside the office, it looks Should quite official in here. Should okay. we go in? Well, Knock on the, the door office. first. I love how every room has its uh, sort of unique signage, which they've obviously created. So this also says lounge outside, which is great. Okay, so we are coming into the hub. This is the office. Oh, we can hear, I hear somebody. Is that Bailey? This is the office mascot, and Bailey is under the desk with Kimmy here. We'll see how far we get. Hello, Bailey. Hi. Hi, Bailey. <laughs> Making his presence known, clearly. Uh, Kimmy, it's lovely to see you. Just tell us what your role is here at the Manx Workshop. Um, well, I'm the office supervisor, um, so I do a lot of things. It comes from greeting customers that walk in, telephone calls, emails, um, as well as doing invoicing, accounting and general HR stuff. So. Um, and when did you first get involved with the workshop and what drew you to this place? Um, I first came here around four or five years ago. Um, I was having some difficulties um, and the job centre actually recommended that I come up here so I came up here for an interview and yeah the rest is history I've been here ever since <laughs> and I can see on your computer there there's also some design work going on is that something that you've been creating on your machine um yeah I kind of like to dabble in a lot of things so um it goes from bits of design and CAD work um, I love being artistic so when it comes to finding new things that we can maybe bring into the workshop I love yeah, I just love doing it, so. <laughs> and what does it mean to you to work in a place like this? It's brilliant. Um, everybody that has come through, we're like a massive family and it's a warm, welcoming, safe environment and it's something that I absolutely enjoy every day. When I wake up, it's a pleasure to come and work here. The Nation Station and we're looking ahead to next month because April is Bowel Cancer Awareness Month and Heather Norman from Bowel Cancer Isle of Man is with us. Welcome back to the show, Heather. Um, you know, we were talking just at the start of the show about taboo subjects, talking about bowels, poo and stuff like that. That uh, falls into that category, doesn't it? And I guess um, that's something that you really, really have made your mission since your own experience to try and tackle. Nobody talks more about bowels and poo than me, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, so 
just remind people about your own experience and what you went through first of all. Well, my experience is quite historic now because it's 18 years ago, amazingly, uh, that I was first diagnosed um, with stage 3 bowel cancer. Um, my journey then was in the old Nobles Hospital, um, not in the nice new lovely facilities we have um, out at the Strang. Um, so it's entirely different from what we have today. There was no keyhole surgery offered because it wasn't in ex existence then. So basically... Um, I had to stay in hospital for a couple of weeks, you know, and, and have to go through major surgery. Whereas today, um, so much has advanced. People can go in and just for two days now and have a keyhole surgery and be eating the same day after the op as well, which was something that I couldn't do for a few days. So, yes, um, things have moved on. And that's wonderful, isn't it? But still the key, key message here, and I'm sure that's what you're going to be focusing on in April, is as far as possible, prevention is better than cure and certainly awareness about your own body is crucially mm. important. Early diagnosis is crucial, definitely. If you want a successful outcome, we always say early diagnosis is the best thing. And that's difficult though with bowel cancer, isn't it? Because it's not very easy to spot and you can actually have, from what I understand, you can actually have had bowel cancer for quite some time before any sort of symptoms really present themselves. That's true. I mean, it's, um, the symptoms range um, from bleeding from your bottom, um, persistent change in bowel habit, like being constipated when you're not used to it or having diarrhoea when you're not used to it, um, losing weight. Uh, being tired for no obvious reason or having a pain in your tummy and it can be any of those or a combination of those sometimes people don't even have any of those symptoms and by the that time it, you know they're diagnosed sometimes it is very advanced so it's very hard that's why it's really important if people get offered the screening uh, kits that they use them because they can spot such tiny little bits of blood in your poo that you can't see um, and you'll get investigated then and then you'll have that early diagnosis. Who is this screening available for? It's for people between 60 and 75. And how do people get hold of this screening kit? Uh, they're automatically sent. Um, so when someone reaches their 60th birthday, they get a lovely little birthday present in the post of a screening kit. Uh, they get a letter first telling them they're going to get a screening kit. Um, and, and then they get another letter with the kit in and how to use it, basically. Um, so it's And that happens every two years automatically until they get to 75. But when you get to 75, um, you can carry on with the screening free of charge but instead of being sent to you automatically you have to call the free phone number and, and request it but it's the same system exactly and all the um, investigations and everything carried on out by the hospital the same way so there's no difference now, the favourite toy of a baby boy who died from meningitis is the inspiration behind a fundraiser which is coming to the Isle of Man next month. Reggie called his toy car his Beep Beep, and so the Beep Beep tour will see an entourage of drivers in five old bangers travelling from Brighton to the Isle of Man, completing various challenges as they go. And they're going to arrive here on the evening of Tuesday, April the 23rd, and the next day there'll be more fun up at Jerby with a track day. And this event really has captured the imagination of so, so many people. And I've been talking to Reggie's auntie, Vicky, and first his mum, Chantelle, to find out more. So Reggie was 14 months when he sadly passed away. And it was uh, just over a year ago now. It was on March 13th last year. So he's sort of the inspiration as why this fundraiser has come together. 
and uh, and he got pneumococcal meningitis and septicemia and he had influenza at the time so the signs and symptoms were were very similar just to, to having a cold um you know we weren't sort of nervous about where it was going until it was very very late and he was just adorable obviously I'm biased he was just amazing wasn't a cry baby he was just perfect didn't sleep very well but other than that he was perfect you really have thrown yourself into to raising awareness and also raising money for meningitis how has that supported you and your family during this time gives you something to focus on it gives you a priority and it gives you a motivation um reggie's our our only child so when you when you don't have any other sort of children to look after you're completely lost um there's no there's no priority in life so i understand now why so many parents kind of throw themselves into these fundraising things or creating charities and stuff and i i didn't want to start a new charity i just wanted to to kind of push forward with raising awareness of meningitis um, because I just don't think there's enough out there for families and and friends you know it's not just children that get affected by it it's it's anyone from any denomination all over the world. Back in the day in the the late 90s they did a, a push for meningitis and that's when one of the first vaccines came out and it was all about doing the glass test and and you know watching the rash and making sure it blanches that's still good information you know a rash is still one of the signs and symptoms However, a rash may not appear at all. Don't ignore that information, but don't wait for a rash. Trust your instincts. There are plenty of information on the meningitisnow.org website, and it does list all the signs and symptoms, and they go from having a fever, dislike to bright lights, um, migraines, headaches, and obviously a baby can't tell you that they've got a headache and stuff, but you, you can pick up the signs and just trust your instincts. I can't knock the NHS over in the UK. They are amazing. They knew exactly what they were dealing with as soon as we turned up at the hospital. He only developed a rash once we were at the hospital. They instantly went into to action and, the, and they've been amazing since. Well, tell us more about this tour then, Chantelle. What's happening? Yeah, so it's going to see uh, an entourage of five drivers in five old bangers. Um, the challenge is to buy the cheapest car possible. And we'll be travelling from Brighton over to the Isle of Man. Now, the Isle of Man side of things was only made possible uh, with Steam Packet Ferry Crossing Company. So a huge thank you to Steam Packet for making it possible and donating free ferry crossing for us. Um, without them, we wouldn't have done the Isle of Man side of things. And it was really key that we did come here. You know, the Isle of Man is a big sort of motorsport heavy island. So it just made sense to, to finish it here. Um, It'll see us travelling through um, from Brighton up to Aylesbury, up to Liverpool, where we'll meet the mayor of Liverpool, which is great. And uh, yeah, as I said, it'll finish on the 24th of April, which coincides with Meningitis Awareness Day. And uh, we're going to be finishing up at Jerby Track, where we've got five very willing uh, motorsports uh, professionals, which are um, all local to the island. We've got Scott Bradshaw, Steve Colley, David Knight, Andy Lee, and Rory McCann. But they're so, yeah. all getting very competitive over it already. Yeah, very competitive. It hasn't even started yet. <laughs> Returning from school at the end of the day, all rosy red cheeks from a long day at play. I'd run down the path through the old kitchen door and sit down at the table as often before. Hearty roast dinners and hot Irish stew, warm apple pie and a freshly made brew. 
crammed round the table where siblings would fight over who'd had the most of the angel delight. She'd live in the kitchen for most of the day. Mum would be singing whilst working away, clearing away once the meals had all ended, with jumpers to knit and our clothes to be mended. Sitting high on the worktop when I was so small, comforting me from a scrape or a fall. Wiped the tears on her apron, then back out to play. Had a bath in the sink at the end of the day. As a teen in the morning, the radio was on, and we'd hear Noel Edmonds on Radio 1. Eating toast on the step with the door open wide, watching out for the school bus to pull up outside. There was always a welcome should visitors call, whether family or friends, there'd be plenty for all. And as we grew older at each celebration, we had to make room for the next generation. They say that the kitchen's the heart of the home and you'll always end up there wherever you roam. No posh, lavish restaurants and fancy hotels can compare to that kitchen's most heavenly smells. The decades have passed and we've all flown the nest, but she's still in the kitchen, the place I love best. I feel so at home as I walk through the door and sit down at that same kitchen table once more. Station, station, Radio. A short poem to mark the passing of women today and all the weird and wonderful topics they've covered over the years, though mostly personal problems and unpleasant diseases. A is for acne, all spotty and red, something we spoke about twice. B is for blackheads, linked to above. We've also done L for bed lice. C is for cake, of which we've had lots with chocolate and currants and cream. D is for dirty, in habits all life, some erotic, some really obscene. E is for eczema, not linked to A, but we've covered that nevertheless. F is for food, which, like cake and eczema, makes faces a bit of a mess. G is for garden and all things which grow, and G is for gangrene as well. H is for Howard and herpes and hats. It's also for heaven and hell. I is for info, of which we've had lots on infectious diseases that hurt us. J is for John, our doc who's done blocks or having a case of the squirters. K is for ketamine, not to be used unless you're a horse or a vet. L is for lupus and lawyers and lips, not nicey, too pricey and wet. M's meningitis, MS and mumps, all really unpleasant health fears. O is for orifice. We've looked in them all, from front bum to back bum to ears. P is for poetry, peeing and poo and the trouble men have with their plums. Q is for queer and for queen, lord of man, ex-daughter-in-law and her sons. R is for rickets and conister rocks for the days when we ran out of puff. S is for Sarah and sausage and sex, where the guide we provided was rough. T is for tea cakes and tam-tams and thongs. They've been eaten and beaten and flashed. U is for U-turn, which is what we have done when the programme just had to be slashed. V is for vanish, which is what we'll do now, which is really a bit of a bum. W was, of course, women today, or women yesterday, it's become. X is your other half, when it's gone wrong, and instead of, hey babe, it's you cow. Why is it going the question you ask, and the answer is yes, it is, now. Finally, Z, of which Christy and Beth are copying a few of a hunch. It's time for a bye-bye from women today. 
from Monday, they're women who lunch.' 